Let's clear our hearts and our minds as we bow before the Lord, as we enter to his presence with thanksgiving and with praise. We'll call to worship. We call to give you glory this morning. We call to lift up your name. We are here to let you know that we love you and we thank you for loving us. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for redemption. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for healing. We thank you for being adopted in your family. We thank you for understanding and we thank you for your knowledge of your word of God. Father God, with those who come in with, with burdened hearts, Lord God, I ask you to lift them. Those who are seeking an answer, you have it for them. Lord, as we enter into your presence and as the choir lead us into your throne and the musicians make a joyful noise unto you, we bow down, we kneel down, we glorify your name. And Lord, touch the pastor this morning and bring a word that someone may be saved, someone return back to you, know that they are forgiven and they are loved. And I just thank you, Father God, for what you're gonna do on this day, in Jesus' name, amen. Another level with the Lord with this amazing magnification 
Lord, let's have church. We've come to give him glory. We've come to give him praise. Anybody want to give him glory? Here we go. I will lift my hand in victory. I will lift my hand in victory. To the most high God, we praise your name. To the most high God, we praise your name. I will sing this song unto your name. I will sing this song. 
glory for his glory hallelujah hallelujah god we lift a praise to you today god we ask you to come in and inhabit our praise lord for your glory lord the song says i will do anything and we don't take that lightly god we know through the fire, over the mountains, God, in the rain, through the storm, God, for your glory. Because I want to be, I want to be where you're at, God. Hallelujah.
said, I want to be where you are. I got to be where you are. Come on, y'all, say, I want to be.
to give God some praise. I want to be where you are for your glory. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. How many feel like that today? Come on. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all about him right now. Amen. I don't know if y'all greeted each other. Just look at your neighbor and say, you're looking nice. But this right here is for his glory. Amen. Come on and give God some glory. Will you go with us in prayer? Will you go with us in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the privilege. We thank you for the opportunity. We thank you for one more day, another chance. We're gathered here today to give you honor, glory, praise. We just come to worship you. Thank you for letting us be in your presence with these your people bless your name let it be glorified bless your word let it be magnified bless your people let them be edified let the words of our mouth the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight our strength and redeemer in Jesus name oh how I love the name of Jesus we pray amen and amen you may be seated for just one moment. Thank you. Come on, give God some praise for our worshipers, our worship leaders. Come on, you can do better than that. Amen. They help set the tone. They help set the tone for our worship. I wanted you to be seated for just a moment because we have a member of our church who now attends The Rock. We have two campuses. His name, many of you may know him, some of you don't. His name is Howard Shelf. He's a realtor. Um, his father helped really sell a lot of houses back uh, in the day. Uh, but he's the band director for Martin Luther King Academy and Bowden Academy Schools. I used to go to Riley, which was changed to uh, Martin Luther King on the east side. Amen. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a product of public school. I'm a product of that. And um, amen. 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 So don't let people talk about public schools. We need, we need public. We need private. We just need young people to be educated. We need minds enlightened. We are facing a crisis in the world of just people who are intellectually idiots. Ooh, I didn't mean to say it like that. That slipped out. Y'all pray for me, that slipped out, but <laughs> mind is a terrible thing to waste. Um, because of shortage of funds and school closures, he's asking, uh, he's got He's combined both programs into one band, 90 members strong. He's, he's now over a band that's 90 members strong. He's trying to take that band to Prayer View A&M on band day, and uh, they need to raise $13,000. He's asking if we could uh, help and participate in that. So I want to appeal to you and appeal to uh, your resources, amen, to invest in these young people. Um, and of course, uh, it pays us back because in a world of ignorance there's fear and a host of other things that comes with that amen and so we want to be able to do that to bless them 
And um, you can do that simply by making donations. We'll put it on the screen later on Pushpay and just selecting marching band. So we encourage you, ma'am and sir, to do that. Now, now don't, don't, don't do that and don't pay your tithes and offering. Amen. Help me, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I just, amen. The Holy Spirit just whispered that in my ear. Amen. Amen. Make sure you do that. Won't you stand for the reading of the Word of God? Amen. Look at your neighbor one more time and say, you really do look nice today. Amen. Amen. If they said that to you, to look back at them and say, for real, you really think so? Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. I'd like to call your attention to Proverbs chapter 4, and we want to read in the textual territory of chapter 4, only one verse, verse 23. We want to read from the New International Version, the NIV of the Bible, and we're not going to be long. The Word of God says simply this. Thank you. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. This is the Word of God for the people of God. I like to tag this text with this title on today, Unclutter Your Heart. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, that's just too much clutter. Come on, look at him and say, neighbor, clear the clutter. Look at your other neighbor and say, I don't even know why they was talking to me. And tell them, say, neighbor, but you do need to unclutter your heart. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. It's a rare thing to encounter anybody anywhere who doesn't have today what I like to call heart clutter. Is your heart cluttered? Is your heart cluttered with the white noise of others' opinions, with the stories that you tell yourself to cope with lies you believe in or agree to, with unregulated emotions or pain that has become so paralyzing that you can't even proceed? Is your heart cluttered? Heart clutter is the internal disorder that takes its toll on a soul that was created for wide open spaces. Heart clutter is not, if it's not addressed, it can take on the form of fear, depression, anxiety, addiction, constant stress, and even physical ailments. And I imagine even as I'm preaching right now, like me, you want your life to always change for the better. You want to grow and become the healthiest version of yourself. And many of you are doing your best to walk in your calling and discover your purpose. And yet, if you are emotionally honest with yourself, you got to admit that you also have some behavioral problems. I, I, I know you're saved. And, and I know you're in church today, but if, you're, 
if you're emotionally honest, there are some coping mechanisms and even some addictions that are cluttering your life, confounding you and confusing you and keeping you from the change that you so desperately desire. You don't shy from starts. You, 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 you've learned to be steadfast in purpose. You are committed to keep it moving even if it feels like you're trudging through sludge. But the clutter, if you're honest, keeps cramping your crusade. So how do you unclutter your heart? How do you do that? The text that we've tagged for the day suggests that you guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. The message translation, it reads it like this, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Man, y'all ought to read the Bible. You've been trying to figure out how do I get this thing called life under control? Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. If you want to unclutter your heart, you uh, if you want to unclutter your life, you have to start with your heart. Look at your neighbor and say, start with your heart. Start with your heart because there's a difference between our mind and our hearts. The mind has to do with our thoughts. The heart has to do with our feelings. The mind centers our capacity to think logically and rationally. The heart is associated with our capacity to detect, discern, and deploy emotion. And it's important for us to make this distinction because when scripture uses the word heart, it has multiple meanings in both the Hebrew and the Greek over a thousand times in scripture. It points to a person's capacity to, uh, for physical, emotional, moral, and intellectual activities. And that's probably what's intended in the meaning of Proverbs 23 and 7 when it says, as a person thinks in his heart, so is he or, or she. First Samuel 16 and 7 the prophet says people look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And maybe that's what the writer was talking about in Proverbs 25 and 3 when he says, the Lord searches all hearts to reward each according to their conduct. And that's probably what the prophet Jeremiah was describing when he said, the heart is deceitful above all things. David prayed and when he was going to God sincerely in Psalm 51 and 10 he said create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit that's what Jesus referred to in Matthew 12 and 33 when he says out of the heart the mouth speaks y'all gonna get this in a minute Paul even listed it as a requirement to be saved in Romans 10 and 9 he says you must believe in your heart and then confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus in order to be saved. Your heart is the real you. Look at your neighbor and say, that's you. Your heart is the real, and God, yes, y'all right, God does know your heart. You ask people, you ain't been in church. No, I ain't been, but God knows my heart. You sure right. You are telling the truth about that one. He really knows your heart. He knows its joys and sorrows. He knows its rage and its peace, its troubles and its rejoicing, its loves and its hatreds, its doubts and its fears, its faith and its confidence. If you want to unclutter your life, you have to start with your heart. Because out of your heart, out of your heart, the rest of your life flows. The heart wishes and desires. The heart 
remembers, reflects, meditates. More specifically, the eyes were meant to see and the ears were meant to hear and the heart was meant to understand, discern, and give insight. The heart plans, makes commitments, and decides. It is the inner forum where we where decisions are made after deliberation. It's where a person engages in self-talk. Proverbs 16 and 9 reads, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. The heart can be hardened like Pharaoh's, or according to Paul, enlightened by faith. In Proverbs 2 and 2, a father tells his son to store up my commands within you by turning your ear to wisdom, and then you will incline your heart to understanding. There's a difference between your heart and your mind, and if you want to unclutter your life, you have to start with your heart. Let me go a little bit further, because the text, look at it one more time, says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Now in the Hebrew language, keep, that word is interchangeable with guard. It literally means to set a watchman over, to watch over, to guard, to keep. Not to seal, but to keep vigilant watch. How? By filtering our emotions, our desires, our thoughts and responses through the Word of God. Ah, You've got to filter those emotions. You've got to filter those thoughts, those responses through the word. Hear me well, God is the keeper. And the primary tool that God uses to keep our hearts is the word of God. If you want God to keep your heart, you have to, you have to, uh, yeah, you, you need the word of God. That's a simple task. We are to keep ourselves in the word and God will keep our hearts. Psalms 119 and 9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. This is not a, listen, the word, I don't care how deep you are in it, how much you study it and go over it, it will not be a guarantee or inoculation against hurt, harm, injury, or pain. Not even Jesus was kept from that. But it is a warranty of protection by a Savior who filters everything that comes to us through his nail-scarred hands. Don't you miss that, y'all, that what gets to you must pass through him. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. Why? What's the point, preacher? I'm glad you asked. They asked that in the first uh, service, so let me just answer it one more time. Because here it is. You got to get this. Your heart is extremely valuable. Say valuable. Uh, whatever you value, you need to value your heart. I'm going to give you this one for free. That's why you can't give it to everybody. Your heart is extremely, I wish I had somebody to help me here, valuable. We, we don't guard things that are worthless. I take my garbage to the street every Monday night. It's picked up on Tuesday mornings, but on Monday nights, it sits there on the curb unguarded. I don't have a guard dog guarding my trash. I don't have no uh, motion detectors. I don't have no uh, cameras because it's worthless. You don't guard stuff that's worthless. Uh, not with my heart, though. Your heart is the essence of who you are. Your heart is your authentic self. Your heart is the core of your being. It's where all of your dreams, all of your desires, 
all of your passions live. It is the part of you that connects you with God and connects you with other people. And just like your physical body, if your heart, your spiritual heart withers, the rest of your life will follow suit. And that's probably why the Psalm Solomon says in, in that scripture, above all else. Did y'all read the text with me? Above all else. He doesn't say if you get around to it. He, he didn't say it would be nice, but he, he says, make guarding your heart your top priority because your heart is extremely valuable. Your heart is the source of everything you do. It's extremely valuable. And in our text for today, the writer calls the heart the wellspring of life. The wellspring of life. I like that. In other words, it's the source of everything else in your life. Your heart overflows into thoughts, words, and actions. Countless communities all throughout this country, there are thousands and thousands of natural springs. Water flows from those springs to the surface of the earth, from deep underneath the ground, and it accumulates in pools and runs off into creeks or streams and rivers. But if you plug the stream, you stop the flow of water. If you poison the water, the, the, the flow becomes toxic. In either situation, it threatens life downstream. And likewise, using that same metaphor, if your heart is unhealthy, it has an impact on everything else. If your heart is unhealthy, it can have a negative impact on your family, your friends, your ministry, your career, your job, your legacy, and therefore it is imperative that you guard it. It is the source of everything you do. Are y'all getting this? Let me give you one more because we must guard our hearts because your heart and your mind are under constant attack. Say attack. When Solomon says, guard your heart, he's implying that we live in a combat zone. One in which there are injuries and casualties. Although we've seen firsthand watching the news, what's going on in the Middle East and what's happening in Ukraine, many of us who are in church right now are totally oblivious to the reality of this war that's going on in our hearts. There's a war going on. The enemy, we, we have an enemy, y'all, who's out, I mean, bent on deception and destruction because he not only opposes God, but he opposes anything and everything and anyone that is aligned with God. And that's why so many people, especially people who lead in ministry, are particularly vulnerable. An article in New York Times reported that members of the clergy in particular now suffer from obesity, hypertension, depression at rates higher than most other people. Clergy, your pastors, preachers, leaders, over the last 10 years, their use of antidepressants has risen and their life expectancy has fallen and many would change jobs if they could. I'm glad I don't fall in that category. I'm having too much fun. And I thank y'all for praying for me. 
because I do believe if it not been for the prayers of the, of the righteous, I couldn't go 33 years. Y'all not feeling me. But what I'm trying real hard to say is that there's an enemy of our soul and he uses all kinds of weapons to attack your heart. And often they come in the form of circumstances that lead to disappointment, discouragement, and disillusionment. And in these situations, we're tempted to quit, to walk, to give up and surrender because if your heart is not healthy, it threatens everything else. Listen to me, please, because it's important for us to leave here understanding how to clear that clutter. How do we unclutter our hearts? so that they flow freely with God's love and God's mercy and God's grace, God's power, God's favor and God's anointing. Can I offer a few things? And I promise you it'll bless you. We'll go home after this. First of all, we need to practice the discipline of reflection. Say reflection. Y'all know what that word means, right? Everybody say reflect. To reflect is to mull over to think deeply and carefully about, to, to meditate and deliberate and, 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 and to be deliberate in your meditation and your deliberation. You ought to wake up in the morning and just have some, oh, at least 15 minutes of just quiet time. It's a discipline. Why? Because we live in a fast-paced, demanding, raucous world that will drain the very life out of us if we let it. That's why it's central that we intentionally pull away. Pause and reflect. Mark 1 and 35, the Bible says before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Now, don't y'all miss this, because if Jesus, our way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, if Jesus had the need to pause and pull away and reflect, how much more important is it for us? And y'all, it's real simple. For, for me, it, it, it's just a matter of, of, of doing, spending some regular fellowship with God. I pray, turn the phone off, read scripture, journal. Sometimes I get, I start, some. I've broken out and had flat out church by myself. Because when I think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, I, my, my soul, I don't need a praise team. I don't need musicians. I don't need a choir. I don't need a man. I don't need a... Sometimes you just need to be still in the presence of God. Now, now, I know you talk to God. I, I believe we got some people that pray, and, and, but periodically you got to be quiet enough and still enough to let God talk back to you. Some of y'all like to talk, but listen to what God has to say. Take time to consider and discern what's in my life that shouldn't be and what isn't in my life that should be. You've got to determine what stays and what goes, what, what emotions and feelings and attitudes and reflections. You, some, that's why y'all get up on the wrong side of the bed. You ain't got your attitude adjusted yet. 
you, you, you got to figure out what's helping me and what's hurting me, what's adding to my life and what's sub- what, what I need to subtract from my life, what's beneficial and what's a burden, what, what, what keeps me stuck in the past and what is pushing me forward in the future. You got to determine what stays and what goes. Did you hear what I said? Life is like a theater. Not everybody in your audience deserves a front row seat. Stop letting folk sit on your front row that don't. Some people, you got to love them from a distance. I love you, but you can't sit right here. You. Think of the relationships you have right now. Which, which ones, all the relationships you've got, which relationships do I have that lift? And which ones do I have that just lean? Which ones do I have that encourage? Which ones do I have that discourage? Which, which ones that are the ones that are going uphill? Which ones are the ones that are going downhill? When you leave certain people, when you're no longer in their presence, does it make you feel better or does it make you feel worse? Which ones only deal with trauma? Which one brings the moonlight? Which one tries to gaslight which ones do appreciate you for the gift that you are which ones depreciate you and try to make you feel bad about yourself everybody can't be on your front row some people need to be ushered to the balcony of your life preach pastor preach pastor you 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 you, you, you can't change the people who are around you, but you can change the people you around. I'm, I got to move on. <laughs> Practice the discipline of reflection. <sighs> Breathe. But secondly, practice the discipline of rest. Say rest. Because often what looks like discouragement and feels like despair is just simply weariness. You're just tired. And God has built rest into the fabric of our physiology. You were designed to rest. Your iPhone is designed to take a break. And your Android. And your Android. We've been made to shut down, y'all. Your body's designed to shut down for at least a third of the daily cycle. And one of the quickest ways to lose perspective is to cheat yourselves out of this God-given off switch. God created the world so that every 24 hours we can start a new day. Every seven days we start a new week. Every four to five weeks we start a new month. Every 12 months we start a new year. God could have just let it all run all that time together in one package with no breaks, no places to start over, but God didn't choose that. Y'all not even feeling me. He's too loving. He's too compassionate. He's too merciful and gracious. And God made places for us to pause. God made places for us to rest, places for us to start over. 
But practicing the discipline of rest requires more than just the biologically induced laws. It requires deliberate choices. Determining that I'm going to get enough sleep each night and possibly napping during the day. Some of this stuff I couldn't preach 20 years ago. But I've gotten older now and the older I get, the more I appreciate a good nap. It is the will of God concerning me in Christ Jesus in these last and evil days. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Look at your neighbor and say, you need some rest. Rest, y'all. Hear me. Rest is the key to recreation. Y'all didn't hear it? Hear what I said? Recreation. Recreation means recreation. But recreation is, at its best, is recreation, not just amusement and entertainment. Because there's a difference between amusement and recreation. Let me explain. The former leaves us more tired than when we started. Have you ever taken a trip to an amusement park? Came back more exhausted than when you left? Amusement can exhaust us, but recreation, recreation refreshes us and grounds us. Recreation involves any activity that gives you the opportunity to express your creativity. Anything that pulls you away from your daily routine playing an instrument, playing golf, playing terrible golf, because a bad day on the golf course, somebody told me, is better than a good day in the office, depending on who you're golfing with. Anything that enables you to detach from work and shift your focus to the present and reconnect you with your heart, whatever activity it, it may not seem urgent, but it's vitally important. Practice the discipline of reflection. Practice the discipline of rest. But let me give you another one. Practice, here is a good one right here, the discipline of release. It's going to get quiet on this part. We were made to live in relationship with others. Others. In fact, the very foundation of reality is, is relational, but relationships require that you take time to invest in those you love and forgive those who have hurt you. We've got to forgive people who have hurt us. Forgiveness is first a decision and then secondly, a discipline. Can, can I preach just for a moment on this thing? It, it, it commences first. Here, here's, this will help you forgive because it starts by first you asking God to forgive you. It, it commences, that, 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 that's where it starts. And you got to say it out loud. Say, say, forgive me, Lord. Some of y'all need to practice that because you ain't done it all week. You ain't even done it before you got to church. Just, just say it out loud. Say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. 
And then once you get to the place where you've asked God for forgiveness, then you've got to release every mistake, every misstep, every miscalculation, every error, every wrong, every sin you've ever committed. You've got to release it into the hands of Almighty God. Stop trying to hold over your head what God has already taken off. If he's forgiven you, now you got to forgive you. Because 1 John 1 and 12 says, if we confess our sins, y'all know the Bible, right? He's faithful and just to forgive our sins, and then he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, whoever covers his sins is not wise, but whoever confesses and forsakes his sins shall refine mercy. Release the pain of your past and release it into the hands of Almighty God. Every time the devil reminds you of what you've done in your past, you remind the devil of where he's going in his future. I wish I had some help here. But how do I do that, Pastor? How do I release that stuff in the past? Confess. Y'all know how to do that. If you don't, just look at the news. A lot of people have been doing it lately, trying to make a deal. That one slipped out too. Everybody say confess. <laughs> Pray for me. We are called to confess that we've done wrong. Keep looking straight. There's nobody that came in here today with a clean slate. Some of y'all probably tried to run somebody off the road trying to get to church so you can get a good seat. Confess. Confess when you've done wrong, knowing that God is able to wipe our consciences clean at the beginning of each day. Ask the Lord, is there anything between you and me? If you find anything that shouldn't be, pluck it out and rescue me. Search me, Lord. Give me a clean heart. Oh, y'all help me here and then practice spiritual breathing. That's my flaws. That's God's forgiveness. Exhale your flaws and inhale God's forgiveness because our forgiveness is not based on our merits, but on the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalms 103, 12 says, God has taken my sins as far from me as the east is from the west. And if you know anything about ge uh, ge geography, the east can't never meet the west. And if that's how far he's removed your sins. Oh, I got one more for you. Isaiah 118 says, though your sin is as scarlet, they have been washed white as snow. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Who can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Can I go 1990s on you? Can I go 1990s? God is like tide. He gets the stains out that others leave behind. God is like woolite. He makes you look brand new. God is like Ajax. He's stronger than dirt. Ah, oh, come on, Bishop Hezekiah Walker. I need you right now. Won't he make you clean inside? Hey, won't he do it? <sighs> Ask God. 
to forgive you. People won't forgive you, but he will. Ask God to forgive you for what you've done and forgive you for how you failed, forgive you for how you've fallen, how you've fumbled, what you messed up, what you tore up, what you tore down, what you squandered, what you destroyed, what you mismanaged, what you mishandled. Can I go a little bit further? Because the process of release commences. It starts by asking God to forgive you, but it continues with you forgiving others. Then don't ask God to forgive you if you can't forgive nobody. That's a whole new sermon. Yeah, yeah, listen, yeah, yeah, yeah. nothing clutters your heart more like failing to forgive. There's some folk that will never go back to a church because they got wounded by some church member and they, they will never go back because they're holding that stuff in their hearts. I, I, I once saw a t-shirt that said, the last thing I want to do is hurt you, but it's still on my list. Some of y'all got it, some of y'all didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll make you laugh, cry, or say man. Either way, it's a good sentiment, right? Because the truth is we've all had, do have, or have been on somebody's list. Yeah. And so my, my, my question is, are you keeping a list? Do you have past grudges that you are holding on to? Somebody at work who hurt you. Some family member who lied on you. Somebody you trusted who betrayed you, let you down. A friend, an associate, a neighbor, a relative, who spread untrue rumors about you. Y'all, that stuff hurts. I don't care how saved you are. Those lists exist because relationships like everything else in our world break. You will not live or last 10 years in this life without getting hurt by or hurting other people. That's the truth, y'all. I need about 300 more amens right there. It's one of the most unfortunate and un, yet unavoidable universal patterns of life. We will be hurt and we will, we will hurt and we will be hurt by other people. Because hurt people hurt people. That's why forgiveness is so vital, y'all. Because if you never heal from what hurt you, you'll bleed on people who, cut, who did not cut you. Okay, let me say it again. I mean, if you don't heal from those who hurt you, you're going to bleed on people who never cut you. Can I say it one more time? If you never heal from what hurt you, you'll start bleeding on people who never cut you. Some of y'all are carrying stuff that somebody did to you in the past and you're putting it on somebody else who ain't done nothing to you in your present. Maybe that's a better way to say it. You still got PTSD. It's not easy, but it's necessary. It's the only way to unclutter your heart. Sometimes we're tempted to forgive conditionally. 
I'll forgive you if. I forgive you when. And then some of us are tempted to forgive partially. I'll forgive you, but this ever happens again. Reminds me of these two men who were at odds with each other. They were older men. Old Joe was dying and wanted to straighten things out with Bill. So we sent word for him to come to the hospital to see him. And Bill got there. Joe told him, listen, man, I don't want to die with all these bad feelings and the stuff between us. He apologized. Reluctantly, Joe apologized for the things that he had done and all the things he had said. And Bill was about to leave. And right before he was about to leave, Joe said, oh, yeah, but remember, if I get better, that don't count. Sometimes we delay forgiveness. Well, I think about it. I, I'm going to forgive you eventually. I just need some time. <laughs> Can I tell you something? The longer you wait, the more you provide the enemy an opportunity to degrade our hurt in offense and to resentment and our resentment into bitterness, and then bitterness turns into revenge. If you want forgiveness, you need to offer forgiveness. We are to forgive. Amen. Got to forgive. There's a story. There's, there's another story about an old woman. Old woman. She was walking with a cane, struggling up to get this hill, this local cemetery. Old at her tortoise pace. She couldn't walk very fast. But every day, she would go up to that cemetery. She'd go up to the cemetery from her home. It took her six hours out of her day to get there. What grief could inspire such a daily, difficult walk? Was she driven because she was, had so much sorrow over the death of a child or a spouse or a parent? Apparently not because it turns out she was driven by bitterness. Her arch enemy was buried in that cemetery and so rain or shine, that old woman walked up that hill every day to see her enemy's grave just to spit on it one more time. Now don't miss it, don't miss it. The one who hurt her was dead. She couldn't apologize, she couldn't ask for forgiveness, she couldn't set things right, but from the grave, the dead lady was still controlling the one who was alive. Y'all not hearing me. That's a word for somebody because there are some people I wanna suggest who have hurt you that are no longer even alive. They're no longer here, they're no longer breathing, and yet they're still controlling your thoughts, your time, your energy, your mood, because you're holding on to what they said to. You're holding on to what they said about you. You're holding on to what they did to you. Can I encourage you with two words real quickly? Here it is, release them. If you don't get nothing else out of this message today, 
I want you to walk out of this auditorium and say, I'm, there's some stuff I'm leaving in the past. There's some stuff I've been carrying too long in 2023, and I promise God, I promise the 12 disciples and even the one that they tried to bring in on at the last moment, I promise all of them that I'm not taking some stuff with me into 2024. I'm going to release it. Somebody ought to shout, release. I'm done. I'm not holding on to that stuff anymore. Because failure to forgive does not hurt the person with whom you are angry, it hurts you. That's why I got to forgive. I can't walk around carrying stuff that keeps me up at night. I got to let that stuff go as quickly as it comes because I, there's too many other things. I, I got to get on with my life. I wish I had some help here. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting somebody else to die. I'm through. I'm through. Let me give you one more and we'll go home. Practice the discipline of reflection. <laughs> For real this time, I'm finished. Practice the discipline of rest. Practice the discipline of release. But here's the last one. Practice the discipline of rejoicing. Did you know rejoicing is a discipline you need to practice? Uh, 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 Steve Maraboli in his work, uh, unapologetically, unapologetically you. Unapologetically you. Unapologetically you. He wrote these words, you are not a victim. Say it loud, somebody ought to say it. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not a victim. Go on and point your finger in their face and say, listen, don't you get mad at me, but you are not a victim. Listen to what he says. He says, no matter what you've been through, you are still here. You may have been challenged, you may have been hurt, you may have been betrayed, you may have been beaten, abused, or discouraged, but nothing has been able to destroy you, nothing has been able to defeat you, you are still here. I mean this this time, I got to go home on this. You may have been delayed, but you ain't been denied. You are not a victim, you are a victor. Somebody ought to shout, I'm a victor. You have a history of victory. Can anybody rejoice in that? That's why you got to learn how to rejoice. You ought to celebrate every day that you woke up again. No matter what has happened to you, you still here. You ought to rejoice because you're still here. You ought to rejoice because you're still breathing. You ought to rejoice because you're still living. You are still surviving. You are still thriving. It didn't kill you. They thought they could beat you down. They thought they could wear you down. It, listen, just rejoice. If you rejoice, I promise you, it'll unclutter your heart. Rejoice because God is with you. Rejoice because God is in you. Rejoice because God is for you. No matter what you face, no matter how you feel, you are not alone God has been with you God is with you and God will be for you every single day every step of the way working with you working in you rejoice y'all because he that has begun a good work in you is able to complete it and he will rejoice because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world Rejoice because if God be for you, he's more than the world against you. 
Rejoice because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Rejoice because they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not get weary. They'll walk and not faint. They'll mount up with wings. Yeah! In the same place where you were bound, God is going to set you free. In the same place you were depressed, God's going to give you deliverance. In the same place you were down, God gonna bring you out in the same place they tried to fire you. God is gonna promote you in the same place that you lost it. God gonna help you find it. Won't he do it? Rejoice because God is with you. Rejoice because God is in you. Rejoice because God is for you. Yeah, in crisis and celebration, in the ups and the downs, on the high mountains and in the valleys, no matter how vicious the enemy might be, no matter how brutal the storm might be, no matter how desperate the need might be, what matters is that God is with you but not only is he with you 20 23 years ago he was with Jesus and Jesus knew how to get victory I told y'all I'm done but can I say one more thing after they betrayed him after they denied him after they forsook him after they arrested him after they arraigned him, after they whipped him all night long, after they tried him, after they pierced his side, after they hung him high, after they dropped him low, after they stretched him wide, he died on Friday, after staying dead, on Friday night, after staying dead, all day Saturday, you can rejoice, because early Sunday morning, God raised him up with all power in his hands. Hey, rejoice because we live, he lives, and he lives, we can live. I serve a risen Savior, he's in the world today. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives in my soul. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I'm alone. Rejoice. about 15 seconds 
Come on and give God some praise. Come on and give God some glory. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. I've been bruised, but I'm still here. I've been broken, but I'm still here. I've been hurt, but I'm still here. Somebody right now is trying to make a decision. Praise the Lord, everybody. A powerful word like that requires a response. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're standing here today, that word was for you. I know we do ABC, but I ask the permission. If you're standing here today, and you know that word was for you, and you know there's some things you gotta let go of, pastor just gave us some direction. It was biblically based. I ask you to come forward. We're gonna do a prayer altar call for prayer. Come forward. If you know of some things you have to let go of, our deacons and our ministers are coming. If you want to come down, if the Lord is leading you, if your heart is being tugged by the Holy Spirit, come down and release it right now. Don't leave here like you came in here. For the enemy's waiting on you at those doors to throw all that back on you. Come. 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 He said, come unto me all that are heavy laden and burdened. Put it at the feet of Jesus right here at this altar is where you can leave it at today. Come. Don't look at your neighbor to the left or the right. They're dealing with their own stuff. Bring it to the altar right here in the presence where the Holy Spirit is God is able to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Come. He's Lord
today as you allow the word to penetrate my brothers and sisters' hearts. Lord, change it. Help them deliver them in the name of Jesus. For you said deliverance is the children's bread. That's what your word said, God. And as they come, God, refresh and renew. Restore them the joy of their salvation, Father God. In the name of Jesus, restore relationships. Restore the minds of your people, God. Heal those that are mourning. Heal those that are hurting, God. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. That's the beautiful thing about Resurrection yes. Baptist Church. We have yes. options to text 
join to 830-689-8074. And someone will respond to you just like we did today. The Lord will meet you where you're at like he did today. Amen. Yes. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, pastor. If you didn't participate in the altar call or you didn't come and surrender to the Lord, we have another thing that you can join in. It's called offering. Woo! I get excited by being able to give back to the Lord what he's given to me. He's just asking for 10%. But if you want to give more, you can do that. And we ask you to do that. Amen? Press down, running over. And we ask you to continue to give. We thank all of you who have donated and ask that you would continue to donate because what you do and give, we're able to bless others, other communities, other countries. We're able to do things internationally. And we praise God for all of you. It's as easy as texting RBC to 77977. And you're blessed. Pastor also talked about the young man, the band director. Um, it's not up, but I'm pretty sure that you can go on our church's website when you're giving, as we always. We make it easy for you to donate. Just think about when you were in high school. These kind of programs help our kids. It keeps them out of the streets. I know being in choir did a lot for me, and we have some of our magnification team that's up here, some of our musicians that people poured into, and they're over there playing under the anointing and singing under the anointing. So think about that when you're giving. One day, if you don't have kids up there, you might have even your grandkids. Amen? So if you didn't give, we have other opportunities. You can give out in the fellowship hall. Our ushers be waiting. Amen? All right. Let's say our church's vision. Let's rise. It ain't up there. Won't he do it? <laughs> our vision. Who are we? Servants of Christ. Developing followers of Christ who share the love of Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for such an auspicious word, an anointing word. We pray that you would put back into our pastor everything he's given out to us a hundredfold. Refresh him and renew him is our prayer that as we leave, you would be with us. In Jesus' name, be with us, cover us, and keep us. Amen and amen. You may just...